0: I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, topic number one, the mortgage mag on 23rd of January, housing policy curveballs and election inertia. Second topic from stuff on the 24th of January, no end in sight for the housing market downturn despite easing price falls. Third topic from Newshub on the 24th of January, consumer price index indicates inflation may have peaked but economic pressures persist. Fourth topic from Stuff on the 24th of January, the risky business of properties with unconsented work, can they be a bargain? Topic number five from Stuff on the 24th of January, growing numbers of divorcing couples putting off selling their shared homes. So first up this week from the Mortgage Mag on 23rd of January, housing policy curveballs and election inertia. In ANZ's latest property focus report, falling house prices show an indication that housing affordability is improving, which will be good news to a lot of people. However, the bank said that if it's forecast for a 22% peak to trough drop in house prices is correct, affordability in terms of house prices to incomes will not be as significant. ANZ anticipates that affordability is expected to improve to a level beyond what prevailed just before the pandemic, but not to a great degree. ANZ's chief economist, Sharon Zolmer, said that the ratio is still high enough to keep many Kiwis locked out of the property market, and although many Kiwis want housing to be more affordable, many also don't want their wealth to deteriorate. For those with significant debt levels, negative equity will be more tangible, It will become a challenge for politicians to walk the line between making housing more affordable and reducing household wealth. In his first major speech, incoming Prime Minister Chris Hipkins announced that his government will be working their way through increasing housing supply and making sure that New Zealanders have an opportunity to get on the housing ladder. The focus would be on first home buyers, but Hipkins added that they will not be applying measures to bring house prices down. It's likely that investors will wait for election results this year. Many property market participants are anticipating the potential for a winding back of some policies through a change of government. Zolna said that ANZ forecast assumes the status quo until the status quo changes. This means that they're not seeing signs that suggest potential policy changes will be significant enough to change the momentum of the property market, which follows the interest rate cycle pretty closely. Zonla believes that changes can happen on the macro prudential front. Any changes to the LVR settings will depend on the state of the housing lending. There'll be little movement in the property market should LVRs loosen, given broader economic conditions. If the Reserve Bank of New Zealand decides to add debt-to-income restrictions, it's likely to be implemented in March next year. Investors could decide to get into the market before the rules change. The dominant factor for housing momentum this year is the interest rate, but household incomes could also be something to look out for. Zolna added that housing policy is up for debate ahead of the election. So let's face it, all of this is crystal ball gazing at this point. You know, we've got no known facts about what might happen. So just watch this space and make your decisions based on facts that are in front of you today. Topic number two for this week in review from Stuff on the 24th of January. No end in sight for the housing market then despite easing price falls. CoreLogic's property market and economic update showed prices fell by 2.1% in the last three months of 2022. This is the smallest decline since May when they dropped by 0.9%. The average national price was 956383 in December which was down 87000 CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson commented that late last year revealed indications that price falls had eased, but it was too soon to conclude that the easing would last. Data showed that there was no rush to complete property transactions in the final quarter of 2022. Buyers found it more challenging to secure finance, and some were taking their time to strike a better deal. The report showed that there were 15,800 sales nationally over the three months to December. There were 34,300 to 24,700 sales over the same period in 2020 and 2021. Davidson said there were no signs of widespread mortgagee sales as unemployment was low and households have adjusted to new and higher interest rates. The downturn became more widespread last year, but the softening isn't uniform. Parts of the wider Wellington area and central and lower North Island have been weak, but many parts of Canterbury and Southland have been more resilient. He added that the general outlook for the market remains weak. Davidson pointed to a recession looming, inflationary concern, more OCR hikes and shorter-term mortgage rates on the increase, as contributing factors, but there are some caveats like the low risk of large-scale job losses. He anticipates sales volumes to remain low this year and for prices to fall by another 5-10%. to However, the weakness in volumes and value might not last throughout the year. If market rates could peak by mid-2023, this could lead to an uptick in buyer positivity and higher sales that could bring price falls to an end. So again, lots of crystal ball gazing and based on, you know, historic data now as well. So again, just base your purchasing decisions on the facts in front of you. My personal opinion on this is that, you know, potentially the best buying opportunities this year could be in the first six months. So if you can get lending, which is the biggest challenge in today's market, if you can get lending, as long as you're purchasing the property that's right for your situation, you won't regret it over the long term. Okay, so if you want help with that, and if you want to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023, Financial Advisors Strategies for Successful Investing and those are available either live online or live in person in our office in Ellerslie in Auckland. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates into today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can find out more about how we work at one of those free events, or you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website as well. So that's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Third topic for this week in review, from News Hub on the 24th of January, Consumer Price Index indicates inflation may have peaked, but economic pressures persist. Inflation numbers revealed this week show that consumer prices rose 1.3% for the final quarter of 2022. This meant that the annual inflation rate has remained at 7.2%, which is lower than the Reserve Bank in New Zealand's November forecast of a 7.5% annual rate. The last quarter of 2022 saw a drop in fuel prices in combination with the government's fuel tax cuts. However, this has been offset by high food prices and the rising cost of living. ASB Senior Economist Mark Smith said that the data will be tough for the Reserve Bank in New Zealand as core inflation and non-tradable inflation are at all-time highs and with a clear risk of widespread price increases. Food, rent and construction costs are becoming the domestic drivers for inflation. The central bank signalled another 75 basis point increase to the OCR in February with an intention of engineering a recession to curb inflation. ANZ Chief Economist Sharon Zolner said that the Reserve Bank is between a rock and a hard place because activity measures have weakened, but there's no evidence emerging yet that has translated into lower inflation pressures, ANZ sticking to its prediction of another 75 basis point increase next month. On the other hand, Kiwi Bank believes that inflation has peaked and should settle within the target range by early next year. They're forecasting a 25% basis point rise. So my opinion on this is that we should be able to expect at least a 50 basis point increase and potentially a 75%. I think the Reserve Bank is still going to come out hard and fast, you know, based on their previous history and their own admission that they'd rather, you know, overshoot than undershoot. Not so many words, but that was the gist of what they've said in the past. So fourth topic for this week from Stuff on the 24th of January, the risky business of properties with unconsented work. Can they be a bargain? A first-home buyer who's been to several open homes with unconsented work generated feedback from other Facebook users after asking if these types of properties were common. Numerous respondents said that listings with unconsented work are common and experts can confirm this is the case and that buyers need to know the risks. It's difficult to gather data on this as searches for properties with unconsented work generated only nine listings from TradeMe Property and four from Realestate.co.nz. Nick Gentle, co owner of iFind Property, has been involved in many transactions and said it's far more common than people think. Cases he's encountered include bedroom conversions, wall changes, piling issues, and dodgy en suites. For buyers, this can be an issue when getting insurance as insurers don't like risks. Gentle added that if this is seen as a problem by insurers, then it will have an impact on the lending you can get for a property. He also advised that for buyers wanting to purchase a property with unconsented work and have a plan to fix it, they should get a Project Works insurance, which provides cover for six months while the issue's being sorted. Gentle thinks that properties listed with unconsented work can be a great opportunity for investors, but they tend to scare away owner-occupiers, especially in a softer market with more options. There can be a significant price reduction for properties like this, but for Christina King of Duncan King Law, there's just too many risks. King thinks that taking on someone's problem is never a bargain. I'd beg to differ on that. <laughs> I think it can be a bargain. You just have to be aware of what you're getting yourself into. Apart from insurance and lending, refinancing and selling can also be more difficult, obviously more so if you haven't corrected the fault. She said that sales with unconsented work are common, as many home buyers in the past took a DIY approach and didn't consider the work to be the council's business. She encourages buyers of properties with unconsented work to inform their lawyers about the issue. Real Estate Authority Chief Executive Belinda Moffat said the agents must disclose any relevant issues or defects to the buyer. If the seller doesn't consent to disclose information, the industry's code of conduct requires the agent to walk away from the listing or risk a complaint or disciplinary action. Moffat suggested that buyers should get a limb report of a property that they're interested in as well as a property inspection report before committing to a sale. The biggest issue, in my opinion, for first home buyers that are looking at at properties that have got unconsented works is the the ability to get lending for that. You know, often lenders, especially in a market that we've got at the moment where banks are quite risk averse when it comes to lending as well, often they want to know that you've got not only enough deposit to cover the purchase price, but you've also got enough funds available to repair what needs to be repaired. Okay. And a defective title, fat chance of getting lending from a mainstream bank. So get in touch with your mortgage advisor as part of your due diligence if you are considering purchasing a property like that. Fifth topic for this week in review from stuff on the 24th of January, growing numbers of divorcing couples are putting off selling their shared homes. Divorcing couples are putting off selling their shared home as house prices fall and interest rates rise, according to mortgage advisor Bruce Patton. It made sense for couples who bought in the last two years, as they may lose their entire deposits if they sold at today's market value. Prices also often remain too high for many to be able to get back on the ladder once the property was sold, because the partners would then be on a single income. Patton said having a legal agreement stipulating the conditions on how the shared house was to be sold was important. Some agreements indicated that a property wouldn't be sold in the first three years, but it should be sold in the next five. If divorcing couples weren't in a hurry, they can wait until after the downturn. There's also been a reported increase in couples using prenups and contracting out to protect their assets in case of a divorce and to protect themselves from not being able to get back on the ladder. Louise Reed, a barrister specialising in family law, said that the bigger reason why divorcing couples are postponing the sale of their family home is because of interest rates. Some were hoping to defer the date so that they could get a lower interest rate for their own individual purchases. On the other hand, there were also clients wanting to settle the terms of the agreement before the next OCR announcement, which could affect the home loan rates on their new property. The desire to keep children in the family home was another reason for deferring the sales. Reid said agreements where spouses agree to sell property in the future are risky as the market may become more volatile, personal circumstances could change and interest rates could increase. This type of deferred agreement could also oppose the Property Relationships Act which states that the divorce should result in a clean break for both partners. Most experts expect house prices to continue falling in the next 6 to 12 months. CoreLogic head of research Nick Goodall said it's difficult to get sales information if divorcing couples are holding on to their shared properties for longer. However, with recovery taking a bit longer and with prices falling, he agrees that they might be waiting for a long time. At Property Apprentice, we've upgraded our free events to cater for the changing needs of first-home buyers and investors all over New Zealand. Join me for our upcoming How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023, a Financial Advisors Strategies for Successful Investing event. They're live training sessions held either online or in our Auckland office, and there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'll answer as many of them as possible. You can register on our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz and check out the details there. If you'd like to have a no-obligation chat with my husband, Paul, to see how we could help you, you can also book a meeting or phone call with him via our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz.